What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. Right. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Oh, hello everybody and welcome into what we're going to call Basket Ballsy, our first basketball-centric version of the Ballsy podcast. I'm Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News, SportsDayDFW.com. I'm joined by Lame Duck, uh, uh, Barry Horn, because he's about to leave the office. Lame Duck? I, leave, I have to leave the studio for a, a very important appointment. Does this mean you should not nominate a Supreme Court justice? Correct. Oh, my okay. God. All right. Or a place for us to have lunch today. Yes, that's right. Uh, I'm also joined by Kevin Sherrington, uh, clown number one. Yeah. And former Dallas Morning News great. That's how you're always introduced, isn't it, uh, Calvin Watkins, as a former Dallas Morning News sports staffer? Yes. Uh, I don't know if uh, Bob Yates or Dave Smith would agree, but I think I am a great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might. You never no, can tell. You're a great, to them, you were a great G-R-A-T-E. Wow. Okay, oh, wow. Barry, let me Thank get the you. door for you. Yeah. <laughs> Is it time for you to go, Barry? <laughs> no, I got to go. You know, you ran off John Machoda in, in our previous uh, our, our Cowboys uh, podcast. We did some, you just really laid him out. I, I appreciate if you would take it easier on Calvin. Calvin today. and I go way back. Calvin's my buddy. We were boxing buddies. And when Calvin wrote a boxing story, he made sure he got the purses in the story. Yeah, right, purses. Yeah, that, that's the whole problem with boxing. Guys got purses. All right, well, thanks for that. Thanks for again for that, Barry. Let's get to the real reason we had Calvin on today because we want to talk Mavericks. So, obviously, we got the guy from Houston. Um, <laughs> but, Calvin, there seems to be a lot of uh, 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 stuff in the air that the uh, Rockets are about to blow up their club and that maybe, possibly, kind of, sort of, maybe the Mavericks might be interested in a half dozen of them? <laughs> it appears they like the center, uh, Mr. Dwight Howard. They liked but him before. They liked him before. But you guys got this guy named Zaza that's playing pretty good. And so I don't know if that precludes the Mavericks in trying to get Dwight Howard, um, because the man is 30, and you know what happens when you turn 30 in the NBA. It's like a running back. You go downhill. Um, so, in a sense, I don't know if Chandler Parsons can work his magic in the offseason by whining and dining him to get him to sign a contract, a max contract, I might add, with uh, Dallas. Now, let, let's back up just a little bit here. Uh, yes, we're assuming that the the Rockets are going to blow it up. Are they? Do you believe that the the Rockets will get rid of Dwight Howard? Is it a possibility they might even get rid of James Harden, as was suggested by one national basketball writer? I don't think they'll get rid of uh, James Harden because um, I don't know too many teams that get rid of a top ten score. Um, but I think Harden is safe, and I even believe Dwight Howard is safe. Um, when I talk to people in the Rockets, they'll say, we're just kicking the tires to see what's out there because if we don't re-sign Dwight Howard in the offseason, then we got nothing for him. So we wanted to see if we get something for him. It kind of reminds me of this John Daniels story when he said he got a call from Brian Cashman who was kicking the tires on A-Rod, and then they made the trade for A-Rod. You know, it's kind of like that. You just want to see what's out there. And that's all the Rockets are doing. 
do you what is the level of satisfaction with Dwight Howard's game? You know, and I, lately he's been playing really well. But I would have to say that over the first over the breadth of this contract that he signed with the Rockets, it hasn't exactly given them a great return. No, Kevin, I would agree. He is still a good center. Is he an elite center? No. Um, you would take DeAndre Jordan. You would take Anthony Davis, obviously, uh, in terms of big men before you take Dwight Howard. But Dwight Howard still is a guy who can produce. He's like second in the league in rebounding. He's second in the league in field goal percentage right now. So he's a good center. He's not an elite center. He's had some back issues. He's had some shoulder issues. He's had some knee issues. So health is, is a big issue for Dwight Howard. Um, in terms of the big investment, the big turnaround when you, when you first acquired him, I would say you got to the Western Conference Finals last year. So I would think that's good enough in a sense, but the Rockets want to go further than the Conference Finals, and this team is just not good enough with Dwight Howard to do that. So, uh, Calvin, if – if they're not going to move Dwight Howard, and they're, if they're probably not going to move Dwight Howard, and they're not going to move Harden, who's going to get moved here? They got a couple of guys that they could move. Terrence Jones, who's a starting power forward, who's been benched and a couple of times this year, and he's out for he's been out for like the last week or so for concussion. He's a guy they could move. Uh, he's an up and coming young kid from Kentucky. It's like his third year in the league, but he's underachieved badly. They could trade him. K.J. McDaniels, who they acquired in the trade last year from Philly. Uh, they gave him the mid-level exemption contract last, last offseason. He's another guy they could trade. I thought about Trevor Ariza as another guy they could put on the block. Uh, you guys remember Trevor won a title with Kobe with the Lakers. Uh, he's a really good wing defender. Uh, when the Rockets go super small, they move Trevor to a power forward position. And he's a good defender. He's a pretty good scorer. They might be able to get something uh, for him. So those are the three main guys they could trade. Another guy they could trade is your old friend Corey Brewer, who won a title with the Mavs and Jet Terry. Um, he has struggled at times during the season, but he's still a good defender when he wants to be a good defender. So he's someone else that they could trade. Those are four guys they might trade. The Rockets probably won't make a blockbuster deal, um, but they will make a small deal at, at some point before the deadline on Thursday. You're around the Rockets a lot. Do they ever lament the loss of Chandler Parsons? Uh, sometimes. Uh, I think they like Chandler's ability to, you know, to beat people off the dribble. Um, you know, his effectuous personality. You know, he's, he's a, a good team locker room guy. But at the same time, they go, man, I'm glad we don't have that knee problem that the Mavericks are dealing with. So I think it's a double-edged sword. They do miss him, but they don't miss him because they have James Harden, and who is obviously a much better scorer than Chandler Parsons. What in the world happened to this team this year? You know, the Kevin McHale gets fired, what, 10 games into the season, 11 games into the season? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, there, and, the, and it hasn't gotten any better for Mr. Bickerstaff. So uh, what in the world happened? I think, number one, they had all kinds of injuries in training camp. Dwight Howard got hurt in training camp. Uh, Harden got kneed up in training camp. So Kevin McHale would say we had a disjointed training camp. You know, they couldn't get guys going. They couldn't have a full practice. And you know how coaches are. They want everybody to practice. And McHale loves the practice, but that didn't happen. And then the season started, and the Rockets just thought, oh, we're in the Western Conference Finals again. Well, you got to play Denver, and Denver beats them by 20 opening night. Then they play Golden State two nights later, and they get beat by 20 by Golden State. 
Then they go to Miami and they get beat by 20 in Miami. So they're 0-3 to start the season and Harden's shooting like 20% from the floor. And then the team just did not respond to Mikhail for whatever reason. The supporting cast was so bad. Harden was bad at the beginning. He also came in overweight. So this, it all led to Mikhail getting fired after 11 games. They did play a little bit better on the bigger staff, but as you guys know, the record says what you are. And right now, if the playoffs started today, they'd be sitting at home. Now, that, that's why I wanted to ask you about the, the question about James Harden. Uh, and we all know what a great scorer he is. Uh, and, and I'll have to say, when I thought it was an unbelievable move when Daryl Morey got him from Oklahoma, Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, I felt like that, that the Thunder would have been better off if they uh, traded uh, you know, Russell Westbrook instead of uh, James Harden. But after having seen... Uh, Harden the last couple of years, the, the lack of defense, although he did play better last year, but the, the, the lack of defense the couple of years before that, uh, the fact that uh, you know it's been perceived that he was one of the motivating factors in, in them getting rid of Kevin McHale, uh, is this a guy that you can win with? Does he want to be in Houston? Do you get the impression that he wants to win and win there? Yeah, I believe so. He, he says all the right things. But it is interesting, when the Rockets played Oklahoma City, and I'm staying at this hotel, so I went to get a haircut. So I go to this barbershop, and Dwight, excuse me, James Harden's brother is cutting hair in this barbershop in Oklahoma City. So, and he's got a lot of friends and family in OKC, something like, why don't you just move your people to Houston, because this is where you are. This is where you're going to, you know, cement, you know, your legacy or whatever. So he says all the right things, but you see those little things like his brother's still cutting hair in Oklahoma City. He still loves going to L.A., you know, because that's where he's from. That's okay. So I don't know. I, I don't know if you can win with James Harden. He needs other people. Like when I look at Golden State and you say, can you win with Steph Curry? Well, sure you can. When you have Draymond Green <laughs> beside him and, and Iguodala beside him, yeah, you can win over there. So Harden needs a better supporting pass than what he has. Uh, he says, as I said, he says the right things, but whether or not he can win a title remains to be seen. As it, as it stands right now, I don't think so. What are the chances, given the uh, given the relationship between Daryl Morey and Mark Cuban, what are the mm-hmm. chances that these teams would ever get together and really talk about a deal anyway? <laughs> you know, Morey and Cuban have each told me that they like each other. They said it's the media that's driving a wedge between them, which I don't believe. But... They like each other, and, and I think Daryl Moy would make a deal with Mark Cuban, uh, you know. But if it's going to help the Rockets, I don't think Cuban would do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I think it would happen. But the way Moy goes, he's gone to the Eastern Conference to make a deal. He's got boys in the East, and I don't know if he'll do it now. So what do you think the chances are that the uh, that the Rockets re-sign um, our man Dwight Howard? That's a good question, Kevin. I would say, I would say it's a 60% chance he will resign with the Rockets. Only, and I only give him 60% because I saw what happened last year with DeAndre Jordan, how he was signed, sealed, and delivered to the Mavericks, and he changed his mind at the last minute. So, and Dwight could be a wishy-washy type of guy, similar to DeAndre Jordan, but I would give him 60% chance of bringing him back. Did you see the comments from Michael Wilbon when he was referring to uh, Dwight Howard that other players in the league think of him as a, quote, clown? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Did, you, uh, did, anybody, uh, did anybody bring that up with Dwight uh, since that comment was made? 
Uh, no, um, Glenn is a is a funny dude. He um, uh, last year it was my first year in the beat. He had this backpack, and you know I, I, I'm a grown man. We're all grown men. We've all had backpacks in our lives, but. Dwight Howard had a backpack based on a cartoon character uh, off this show my kids watched, Adventure Time. And so that was kind of odd to me. And then this year he has a backpack that's got Stormtrooper from Star Wars on it. It's got a Stormtrooper backpack. So he's this 30-year-old kid. He's this goofy guy. Um, I don't know. I remember one time his son was in the locker room bouncing around, and I was talking to Jason Terry. And Jason Terry said, that kid is just like his daddy. He's just like a kid. He's just bouncing around the walls. He's just having a good time. And, and Dwight Howard even talked about that himself, about, hey, you know, people look at me and they see me smiling on the court and having a good time, but I'm really serious about basketball. I really care about basketball. And I guess he does care about basketball, but he is, he does have this perception across the league that he is a clown. And, and I think he doesn't care or he doesn't know how to change that perception. And, and I, don't know what, I don't know how you could help him because he is who he is. I think the point you made earlier about his level of play, and certainly my perception of that as well, is that the guy's going to get a max contract. That's a lot of money to pay to a guy and to lock up to a guy who's just going to put up pretty good numbers and who's not always going to be healthy. And then you're and then you're not even sure of his commitment. Who's not going to reach his? Who's not going to maximize his potential? Whatever right. his potential has been in this league, I don't think there's anybody who feels Dwight Howard has maximized it. I I would agree. I mean, but. When he gets out on the market, and if he doesn't get a max contract from anybody, someone's going to sign him, whether it's the Rockets. Oh, absolutely. The Pacers, anybody. Yeah, someone's going to give him some money, but he's not going to get the max money. So now he's got to decide, oh, okay, where do, I, where, where do I fit best? You know, And the Rockets might be his best fit. Um, can he fit well with the Mavericks? I don't know. Um, I would say two years ago, I would say yes. But now I really I'm not so sure. So that's why I'm thinking he's going back to Houston. What the, what is the uh, the Rockets' uh, perception of the Mavericks this year? You know, here and I think certainly around the league, uh, the feeling was, oh, if this team is a fringe playoff team at best, uh, and they may end up just being a fringe playoff team. They've kind of been sinking lately. Uh, but they but they played really pretty well considering everything with all the guys hurt, uh, and they played a lot better. And as you mentioned, Zaza Pachulia has, has played uh, really well, and, uh, and they've got some nice play out of their backup centers as well, much better than they thought they were going to get. What is the, the, the Rockets' perception of what the Mavericks have done? There's a tremendous amount of respect for Rick Carlisle because uh, I think a lot of people, when I talk to the Rockets coaches, they just love how Rick Carlisle just handles everything. You know, he's just been able to manage everything, especially this current Chandler Parsons sitting in the fourth quarter type deal or whatever. So the Rockets are just like, man, we love Rick Carlisle, how he's done that. And I think they really thought, like you guys thought, that the Mavericks would not be this good. <laughs> and here they are. They're in the playoffs. They're three games over 500. So they're a lot better than what we all thought they would be. Uh, the surprise that uh, Darren Williams has played as well as he as he has, considering what happened to him in Brooklyn the last you know three years or whatever, they love Dirk. Dirk is Dirk. You know, it's just they would love to have Dirk Nowitzki on their team. You know, Zaza has been a godsend. When the Mavericks came to Houston the first time, JJ Barea just went off. He just killed the Rockets. So it's just like they're just surprised at how well the, the Mavericks play, even though they are struggling going into the break. 
But I think the Rockets have a tremendous amount of respect for Dallas and wish that they were the Mavericks right now because the Mavericks are in the playoffs. And yes, even though they're all struggling, but still, three games over 500 is better than a game under 500. Is it? You know, we're, we're kind of spoiled in this market here. You know, the uh, the Mavericks won a championship, uh, and uh, and so if, if they're not going to get to the Western Conference Finals, everybody acts like, well, what, what's the big deal? Especially <laughs> in a season this year where where you you see the play of the Warriors, the play of the Spurs. Everyone feels like if you know, and you, and you don't want to play Oklahoma City either. If you're get, if you're the sixth, seventh, eighth seed, uh, you're screwed. You got to get the fifth seed because that's your only chance of advancing into the second round of the playoffs. Oh, yeah, that, that was the goal about a month ago for the Rockets. It was like, hey, if we get to the fourth to fifth seed, we can play the Clippers and maybe get out of the first round and take our chances in the next round. But now, if you're the eighth seed, you got four games in, against the Warriors and you're done. If you're the seventh seed, you got four games against the Spurs and you're done. And, you know, it's just, if you're the sixth seed, maybe five games against OKC, maybe. But that's what it is. The top three seasons are so good that you're not going to spend a whole lot of time in those cities. So you're trying to get to the fourth or the fifth seed. So we've talked about uh, uh, Dwight Howard and whether he's going to be back and whether James Harden is going to be back with the Rockets. Who's going to be the head coach of the Rockets next year? That's a very good question. Uh, you're doing really good today, Kevin, with these questions. Thanks very you. much. I appreciate that. Uh, and no problem. I've learned so much from you over the years. Kevin, it's almost like you <laughs> care more about the Rockets than the Mavericks. <laughs> That's not true. It's not true. You know, my my the Rockets I cared about were the ones with uh, Calvin Murphy and Mike Newland mm-hmm. and Kevin Coonert mm-hmm. and Rudy Tomjanovich and those guys. Right. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Thanks good. for dating yourself again. Uh, I never dated myself. I, I date women. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Calvin. I would say, I'm sorry. Uh, I would say J.D. Pickerstaff was the favorite for this job if he got the Rockets to the second round of the playoffs. I don't think that's happening, Calvin. That's not happening, no. That's not going to happen. So saying that, I would say they might go after Scotty Brooks, who used to play for the Rockets back in the day, uh, who's got a good relationship with James Harden. I would say I'd put him at the top of the list. Tom Thibodeau, I would also put him at the top of the list. But there's some issues with Thibodeau because I'm not sure, that, you know, you hear all these things about Thibodeau wants all this control. Daryl Moore doesn't give up a lot of control. So I don't know if Thibodeau would be a good fit here, even though he's got a good relationship with James Harden, because Thibodeau was an assistant coach in the USA basketball team where Harden was a participant. So, you know, those two guys, and then here's a surprise candidate, Vinny Del Negro. He's a real analytics guy. Um, and as you guys know, the Mavericks, excuse me, the Rockets are big on analytics. And Vinny seems to like that. So he might be a dark horse. For this job, so those are my top three guys for the gig. Uh, short of Calvin Murphy saying, "I'm going to take over the team." Uh, here's what you're going to need to have: you're going to need to have somebody who can get along with those guys. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. You need someone to. Get, I mean, that's, that's the thing I've learned in the last three months about the NBA, and I think we've always known this: the players run that league. If you don't get along with LeBron James, you're going to get fired. You know, that's just a fact. And if you don't get along with star players, you know, your job is on the line. And Kevin McHale, the players stopped responding to him. As good of a coach as Kevin McHale is, he got fired after 11 games. And it was surprising. And at some point, uh, you got to find a coach that can get along with James Harden. And if you have Dwight Howard back, has to be able to mess with, with Dwight Howard and be able to deal with Daryl Morey and, and make it work. 
and Kevin McHale was able to do it for about four and a half years until his time ran out. I so don't know. I think. So go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, I, I the 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 thing that's running through my mind is, you know, and coming from it. From the from a baseball perspective of analytics versus the the playing mentality, I don't know that you can ever find yourself in a tenable position as a coach if you're an analytics guy or if you're a player's coach because one way you're going to be alienating the other side. Um, I don't right. see those things dovetailing. So I it's a really given how strong Daryl Morey pours himself into analytics. And given how strongly the players seem to run this league, and in particular, I think the team that we're talking about here, I don't see where there's a really perfect fit. I think at it, it, it all points in time, you're going to be having to run a real serious balancing act. You know, uh, Kevin McHale and I, because I would say to Kevin, I would go, you don't seem like you're an analytics guy. And he goes, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and I would go, well, why are you still the coach here? And he said, because I, I, I sim- everything is very simple. All you have to do is take two steps back, it's a three-pointer. So, okay, take two steps back and shoot a three-pointer. I'd rather get a three than a two. I go, oh. And to Kevin McHale, that was his analytics. Just taking two steps back behind the three-point line, and you were good. You know, and then he would just say, just run and gun, because that's what it is, really. Right. And I was okay. And so... For an old school guy like Kevin McHale, because he would tell these great stories about Larry Bird would never practice three pointers. And I would go, Really? He goes, No way. And I would go, Well, Larry Bird was so good at it. He would go, Yeah, because Larry Bird took two steps back and shot a three pointer. And I go, Oh, that makes sense. So for Kevin McHale, he, he put in a simplistic terms for maybe a new generation of coaches. They might muck up the game and, and you know, have these crazy lineups and, and all this kind of stuff. And it is a double-edged sword. You know, you, sometimes it's about basketball more than the numbers. And these GMs, like guys like Daryl Morey, are all about the numbers, and some of these coaches are all about the players. I need these players to perform for me regardless of what the numbers say. I think, yeah, I, I think, I think basketball on the analytics front is still – that is still emerging, and I think you've still got that kind of uh, – that thing that I think is, is almost – in baseball has almost passed where – it's we're going to do things the way we've always done them versus we're going to do things a new way. And at some point in time, you get a management group that kind of emerges from the middle of it and says, we can blend analytics with with a game played by people. I think basketball may be a little bit behind baseball in terms of applying analytics and getting everybody to buy in. And, but and- I think the difference is in basketball is that, look, players see this. Listen, we're one player away from being really good here, or or I'm the player away from us being really good here. And if you would just let me do what I need to do, I can take this game over and we can win. And that's that's not true in any other sport. So not any other team sport. So I think that that's the issue. That's not true in real life, really. I mean, it, it, that's the worst thing you can do is have that kind of hubris to say, okay, just let me take this over. And and we'll do it. But you got to have a little bit of that. That's Kobe Bryant's made his entire career off of that attitude. So I, I think that we're talking about one of the top five competitors of all time. Absolutely. But but here's the thing to me in, in this whole equation is that I think really there's only we've we've seen a lot of of coaches in the NBA. Uh, not a lot, but we had several coaches in the NBA this year lose their jobs, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. and so a lot of a lot of big moves made. I hear here's two places nothing's going to happen in Dallas and in San Antonio. 
And, and the reason that doesn't, it's not going to happen in San Antonio is because they have a system built around it's team first and this is what we do. Uh, and, and it's from the top down there. In, in Dallas, you've got a system where, uh, as, as you talked about how the Rockets coaches marveled at what Rick Carlisle has done, a guy who is very able to take whatever is given him and do something with that. Mark Cuban appreciates that. He loves that. I, I do think, you know, as, as Donnie Nelson told me a couple of years ago, we want uh, Rick Carlisle to be our Norm Sloan. That, that's what we want to have. Cool. We want to have a guy who's going to be here for the next 20 years. I believe that. I believe that's exactly what's going to happen. As long as Rick Carlisle is happy in Dallas, I believe he will be the coach of the Mavericks. But you also have a superstar who's very deferential. You know, you know Dirk Nowitzki is the kind of guy who's very team oriented, very team first. Dirk, so that, yeah, that Dirk is not there. Dirk is not your typical NBA superstar. No, he never not. has been. So that changes the dynamic. And to me, that's what the deal is with a guy like James Harden, who's a very me first player. Right. And and I think that's one of the reasons why. You know, I, I know that this, there was a speculation about should they trade James Harden and uh, and what could you get for him? Well, I, I see what the the problem with that is. You even if you believe like I do that he's a me first player. What kind of return are you going to get on that? Are you you know as as you said, Calvin, he's a top. 10, he's not a, just a top ten scorer. He's a top ten player. You know. Yeah. So so do you really give that up? Even though you you feel like the guy is is not really buying into the team concept. Well, I think you don't give it up. You keep them and say, "Hey, James, what would it take for us to get better?" And you get his input. Yeah, get him to invest. Yeah. Right. So, like in the off season, Daryl Morey goes to Harden and says, "Hey, you got tied for them in the playoffs. What can I do to help you?" I was thinking about getting Ty Lawson. What do you think about that? And James Harden said, "Yeah, that'd be perfect." That didn't work out so well. <laughs> that didn't work out so well. So he is. So to Dalmore's credit, he is trying to go to Harden and say, hey, man, what do you want? What can we do to get better? And which I think a good GM is supposed to do is I think Cuban does that, and Donnie Nelson does that to a certain degree with Dirk. They go, hey, how can we get better? And, they, and Dirk says, get this guy, or yeah, I'll, I'll be okay with him, or whatever. That's what you're supposed to do with your star player. Now, who do you blame when it doesn't work out? Who do you blame? Do you blame the GM that's where, or do you blame the player? Well, that's where it comes down to for me is, and, and you mentioned Alex Rodriguez earlier, you know, mm-hmm. there was a point in time where Tom Hicks listened to Alex Rodriguez here about personnel and that mm-hmm. Alex was invested in this team. And when you do that with an athlete, when you go to an athlete and say, hey, we want you to invest, what can we do to make this team better? The athlete loves, I think, in general, and I'm speaking in generalizations here, not uh-huh. specifics, because there's always going to be outliers. In general, they want to be, have that input, and they want to be able to tell you and show you their evaluation skills. But when it comes time to have accountability and responsibility, they don't want that. And really, it's not their responsibility. No. So th- that's the tough part you get when you ask a player to buy in and, and, and for a player to give you advice. And... Uh, you've either got to have a coach who does reach Harden and gets him to buy in without having the same kind of input, or you may have to just simply start over there. Well, let me ask you this. So, like, this is more of a Ranger question. So when the Rangers bring back Josh Hamilton, does John Daniels go to Beltre or Elvis and say, I'm bringing Josh back. Are you cool with that? Or does he just say, I'm just doing it because Josh fits what we do? They, you know, what, what do you, that's, and that's a good question. And I do think that, you know, this is 
this there's a little bit of of a uh, of um, what do you want to call it? extra uh, extenuating circumstances here in uh-huh. that right. because you're talking about a player who had been here previously and who had had some substance abuse problems and, and so forth and I think you want to make sure that that player will fit back into the the fabric of the team in terms of of causing off-the-field disruptions uh, and, and the maintenance that is involved with a guy like Josh. Um, but that's a good question. I mean, you do you do sometimes go to your veterans and say, will this guy fit in? What do you think? And, and, and there's, hey, when it works, it's great that they buy in. When it doesn't work, you say, well, they never should listen to their players anyway. So that's, that's kind of the nature of sports writing. Um, Calvin, yeah, before – Baseball, but baseball is more about – I didn't mean to cut you off. But baseball is more about that clubhouse culture. My time with the Rangers and covering baseball, it seems as if you need that more than all the other sports, that guys need to get along in that sure. club, in, in baseball clubhouses in comparison to NFL or NBA. Now, Kevin might know a little bit better than I do, but I, I would think it is more important in baseball than all the other sports. No? Yeah, I, because you're together 200 days out of the year. You know, it's right, right. it's pretty significant. And you twice as many games. So much. Yeah. Uh, Calvin, before we let you go very quickly, Sorry. I know you were live tweeting. I can't believe you were live tweeting the, the dunk contest <laughs> instead of the Republican debate. Um, oh. <laughs> I got suckered into watching the, the, public, the, the, Republican, the Republican debate. So here's my question after watching highlights. Did Adam Gordon get screwed? Uh, no. I mean, that dunk over the mascot where he kind of jackknifed his body over him, that was that was pretty good. The under-the-legs thing good. when you're above a mascot's yeah. head is... Yeah, that's pretty good. But Levine just was just outstanding from the first minute he, he walked on the court. So, no, I don't think Gordon got screwed. He went to the right guy. It's okay to have a repeat champ. It's okay. You, you were, I'm surprised you weren't for the Jewish guy, Evan. <laughs> 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 you're always bringing religion into this thing. Oh, uh, yeah, well, you know. Uh, Calvin, how much do you miss us? I miss you guys a lot. It's just so quiet here in Houston. I, I really have no nobody to play around with or yell at or nothing. It's just just quiet. Yeah. What, what, what part of town are you living in? I oh. live in uh, northwest Houston off of 290. Yeah. One of those great highways. <laughs> Out there close to Cyprus? Yeah, my, 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 my older brother lives in Cyprus. Thank you for tuning oh, in to Texas Highways and Byways <laughs> with Kevin Sharing. You know, we're just trying to get a little bit. Here, here, make sure you go to my favorite place in town, and Evan likes this place, to Good Company Seafood. Go go there and eat some good seafood. It's a great place. What, what, what's the name of it again? Good Company, G-O-O-D-E. Good company? Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. okay. Uh, I'll check it out. All right. All right, it, it out. And I will say this, okay. Calvin, that unlike yes, most of Kevin's recommendations, this one actually is quite good. It's, yeah. it's, it's really good food. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, we enjoyed having you on, man. It was uh, it was great to catch up with you again, and um, uh, thanks for taking some time. And I know you will uh, tune into our other podcast that we had this week. We had Rangers manager Jeff Bannister. He was talking about chemistry and Josh Hamilton and some of that. And also from your former beat, we had John Machota on talking about Cowboys drafts and what Jerry Jones might do. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Man, I don't miss the draft. Oh, my gosh. That used to be the bane of my existence, just worrying about the NFL draft. Hey, uh, and, and, you, and you hated John Machota, too, didn't you? Isn't that true? 
I hated John Matoda. Yeah, oh, that's what John I thought. Matoda. Yeah, yeah. He's I the worst. Just throw him out the press room one day. No, everybody loves John Machado. <laughs> great guy. Everybody loves He's Johnny Matches. He's he is. Man. He is. All right. Well, there he Thanks, goes guys. off, off into the. Are you in Houston right now? Or are you vacationing during the All Star break? I'm vacationing in Dallas. Uh, to be quite honest with you. Well, you should have come into the studio. You're going to come in the studio. What's up with that, man? Uh, oh, well, your executive producer, Barry Horn, he just said, hey, we'll call you on the phone. So I said, okay. What, wow. <laughs> Kevin wants to know what part of Dallas you're you're staying in. Oh, stop it. Stop. <laughs> Thanks, Calvin. Great to talk to you, man. Take care, man. Thanks, guys. You too. Take care. Thank you. All right. That was Calvin Watkins of ESPN. You know, I, I was Calvin's. basketball podcast. I was Calvin's. I'm I'm trying to talk here, okay? Yeah. You've been talking for (laughs) a half an hour. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I was Calvin's mentor when he was here at the morning news. That's what he's got to blame this career turn. How about that? How about that? Well, it was great. I don't I I don't think the Mavericks end up with a Harden or a Howard. No, I I do not either. uh, And you know what? I don't have a problem with that either. uh, yeah, I the the Mavericks are in an odd place. You know, with Dirk being an aging superstar and and you're you're kind of tied to that. Uh, and you're just kind of you are kind of treading water for a little while, hoping you can continue to stay competitive, and, and and then at some point in time, find find some lightning in a bottle. They have, I think, being that they're in the playoff picture uh, at the seven eight kind of. Well, I, I guess are they six right now? They're six right now. Seven, I believe, right now. They are seven. I believe they slipped to seven. Uh, yeah. I thought they, they were six up until the last. They were game. six. I believe okay. they slipped to seven. And yeah, as you guys said, you don't want to end up seven or eight in this in this situation. You don't even want to be six. Um, uh, five is where you're really pointing toward. But I, I think if you're the Mavericks and you can once again say, "Hey, we've we've gone to the playoffs with with, with this club," that's that's going to be an accomplishment. And it's an accomplishment. But here's the problem with it, you know. Because I'm not in favor of tanking. No matter who oh, you are, no, I'm not in favor. But you of can't tanking. tank. This team's too good to tank. But but here, here's the thing about that. It's one thing. I hate to sound like the ungrateful fan, you know, because Brad Sham gets on me about this stuff all the time, saying that listen. Yeah, you know, enjoy the season, enjoy the the games, enjoy what happens, and, and that's all true. You know, we we do enjoy all that. But it's one thing to appreciate the fact that hey, here's a here's an up and coming team that made the playoffs, got into the second round, and now there's and then they're going to build on that, right? This team's not going to build on that. Right, they, they, they can't build on that. You're, at, at this point in time, I just see that, and and this is the treadmill that I think the Mavericks are on for the for the for the foreseeable future. And I don't want to make. I don't want to make Dirk out to be an albatross because I think Dirk. Well, quite look, frankly, look, he's played very well this year. He's played well. He's played. He's played better than they thought he could play. And as a guy who appreciates kind of the civic uh, tie that I've always thought that the teams had to the to the city, I appreciate what Dirk has done for basketball in this town. What he's done for the city and in the ambassador he's been. So I don't want to just one of the great him. superstars of any sport in this town. I think he's the coolest athlete to ever play in Dallas. I don't know if I'd say ever. There's some cowboys that were pretty close. Cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's cool about about uh, Dirk is that look, he gets it. He's he, so unpretentious. He's very unpretentious. A, uh, a willing to make fun of himself. Uh, just he's a he is a, a really great person from that standpoint. A hard, a, a great work ethic, a great player, but also funny. Uh, you know, just just everything about him. He's we terrific. need to do that show one time. Who is the coolest athlete in DFW history? Kevin Alster. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> that will be an ender. Um, it's getting close to lunchtime. Please remember to tune in uh, the Ballsy Podcast. Uh, you can also t- reach us on Twitter at 
Ballsy, that's Ballsy with a Z, podcast. Because it's hipper with a Z. Much hipper and edgier. See you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye.